Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. Welcome to One Media, One Media, where we tame a monster because we are different. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there we go. Y'all will get it later. It'll all make sense soon. <laughs> It'll definitely make a lot of sense at the end. Today, we are going to talk about my little monster. Uh, it was in this article that we found in the top 50 slices of life. I think this made, I can't remember what it was. I think it was at least like in the 30s or so. It was originally a, a manga. It is a romantic comedy. It was written by Robbie Ko. All right. <laughs> One name. Yeah, and it was released August 23rd of 2008, and it went till June 24th of 2013. There's 12 episodes and one special volume. The anime was released October 2nd of 2012, and it went till December 25th of 2012. There is 13 episodes plus one OVA, so I'm thinking there's like a Christmas episode or just some extra. What's OVA? Just like <laughs> Original video, blah, blah, blah. I think we did this one I thought before. of it as an ovation, like, you know, like after a band plays and you get like an... <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's like what? So they just add an extra special episode. I did not see that on. I didn't see it in, in there Wall, either. So yeah, it was directed by Hiro Karabuki. Kaburaki Hiro or Hiro Kabaraki. <laughs> Kabaraki. <laughs> there you go. And the screenplay is done by. Takagi Noboru. Noboru Takagi? Noboru Takagi. <laughs> Takagi, okay. And then there is also a live action. It doesn't really say much about it except for who it was directed by and everything, unfortunately. And there's really not that much about Robbie either. I'm assuming this is the only thing they've done because they don't have a wiki. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're going to be going through one of these. <laughs> anyway, this is kind of an interesting series. I think this is our second series from Crunchyroll. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. What was the other one? Uh, oh, just, oh like, uh, honey girl. Uh, my Yes, my, bunny, sensei, yeah. senpai. <laughs> I, I do not dream of... 
Little Rascal does not dream of a honey girl some pie, I think is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Right. Look at us. We pieced it together. It was like a <laughs> it was like a strange sentence. I love title. that series still. And that was good. I did not finish it, but I did like it. Yeah, it's really good. And okay, so this one's kind of weird. So it has this character who has no emotion, really, or she's never had any emotion. So she says all she wants to do is study and become a successful businesswoman, really. Her future career is she wants to make 10 million yen in annual income. Okay, so she wants to become a millionaire, pretty much. And there's kind of reasons behind that, but they kind of get more deep into that throughout the series. So she's top of her class and the uh, teacher pulls her aside and she's like, well, would you please? Oh, yeah. Her name is, oh, man, they call her Shizuku. Suzuki Mitsutani, but they call her Mitty. One of them does. Yeah, yeah one, of, one them, of them calls yeah, eventually her. Eventually, don't Mitty. Mitty. We'll call her Mitty as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shizuku. Okay, we, we, we could pull out the... The Google yeah. Translate for this. Well, just Shizuku. America. Shizuku. Shizuku Mizutani. Or. Mizutani Shizuku. Okay, Shizuku. Yeah, yeah Shizuku. Or Midi. And the teacher pulls her aside and she said, Well, can you please go talk to this one student, bring him his homework or something, and convince him to come back? to school because if he doesn't come back to school he's going to be expelled and she's like well why me they don't ever really get into that do they no but they so he's not in school because he was suspended yeah for fighting and um <laughs> like a pretty brutal fight and then he just didn't come back like he was suspended he was supposed to come back but then he didn't that's so, what it was it's yeah like, it's been like over a month since i've seen you're right i don't Bruce know why three. they picked on her i don't know if it's just the way she was walking probably like yeah maybe she's responsible and she's mm -hmm. the top of her class or whatever so she goes okay well i don't know why you're selecting me i'll go do this but why <laughs> so he goes to this weird it looks like an arcade right where they have like baseball bats and it like lives I don't know if there's like an apartment there or something, but it's a batting cage. He lives with place. his brother. His cousin. A cousin. Is that his cousin? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You see. <laughs> yeah, I right. was like on this or, one. This is like, cousin. I don't know why, but I got like, it took me forever to start it. And then once I did, I like fixated on it. So now I know like way too much. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know he lives with his cousin. I know it's a batting cage and like arcade. His cousin's cool and like smoke cigarettes. So he's older. And the boy that Shizuku is visiting is Haru Yoshida. Or Meet Chan. Nicknamed Michan. That's the cousin. I meant like the oh, guy. The, the boy yeah. that was from her class. Haru. Or Haru, yeah. Haru. That's what it is. Haru. And I don't know even know how she convinces him to come back to school. Like she's like, you need real friends or something, because the friends that he had just wanted money or whatever. And they were just treating him like and she told them off. And somehow he realized that his friends weren't real. They are just pieces of shit. And that she could actually be a real friend to him. Yeah, something like that. When she first met him, she had no interest. And he had no interest in her. He's kind of um, aggressive personality type. 
And so he's kind of scary. And so she was like, well, why was just giving you your handouts? Like back off. Then the teacher was like, no, try to get him to come back to school, you know? So then I think she went to visit again and yeah, he, he wanted friends. I think he was embarrassed to come back to school because of the fight and how people responded to him. And then he, he got attached to her because she stood up for him or something. And so then he was like, well, if you're in school, then I'm in school kind of thing. Right. I think so. Pretty much. That's how it went. And somehow along that line, he just said, you know what? I'm in love with you. Fast. It was like the first or second episode. The first episode. The last five minutes. Yeah. He's got like, so she's very reserved with her emotions, like you said. And he's very like extroverted with his emotions. Like he's very angry or he's very loving or he's very fun or he just kind of like has no filter. And so uh, he has difficulties because he has no filter. She has difficulties because she's, she's too filtered. Like she doesn't say what she's really feeling. But um, they, so they have a kind of an unlikely friendship <laughs> connection, but they like each other. Yeah, they do have a love like or love whatever with each other. Mm-hmm. And it's always like going kind of back and forth in a way, yeah. which gets annoying. And then the only way I can explain it is just like each episode is kind of like this conflict that they're trying to fix. And then at the end of the episode, they always go, oh, you know what? I like you or I love you or I love you too in a way. But it has like these kind of anime tropes of Christmas, the festival, and all other stuff. But it is a little bit more advanced than just holding hands here and there or like holding hands at the very last episode that gets all taken care of. But then sometimes it's just like, you got to stay two meters away from me. And so they're kind of exploring each other's boundaries in a way and trying to understand why they're into each other. But then at the same time, they know that they really like each other or love each other in a way. Yeah, No, they do. So it's like, you're right. Really early on, there's like some handholding, there's a kiss, but then they untangle it and then they go backwards because they're friends. And then they're like, oh, I love you. No, I don't love you the same way. <laughs> so it is a lot of back and forth. And I think they're both so opposite in some ways that they take each other off. And then there's an immaturity component. Yeah, because they're freshmen, I think. Right? Yeah, they're like first year high school students. I like Mitty because she is very funny in some ways because there's obviously this is high school and romance. So of course, there's like other love interests that get introduced. And at one point, they're like, oh, she's your rival. And she's like, that's not my problem. Like She just was like not even worried that this other girl liked him. <laughs> like, A very cute girl like, too. <laughs> right? She's like, I need to study. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go study. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I thought it was really, really sweet in some ways is that Haru told Mitty that she always rescued him. He would get into these situations socially, like he would always respond with like aggression and she could cool it all down. He always said, oh, you're always there for me. And so to me, that's like opposite in some ways, instead of like the girl always being rescued, she was kind of rescuing him in some situations. Yeah, and it's not like she's like jumping out of a building to go save him from him falling out of it or anything like that. It's just like, Hey, don't be a head. 
kind of a thing, right? Or he'll oh stop God, her. Yes. Like she's like, hey, stop it. Like, cause she's like, he'll beat everybody up. You know, like his like urge is just a fight. And then also, like, one episode I thought was funny because there's a lot of humor in this. She said, well, more people would be your friend if you smiled because he's oh, always glaring right. at everybody because he was scared. So he would be like really aggressive looking and no one, everyone was scared of him. But then he'd smile and it would just go into like very like cutesy anime like background and his cute <laughs> smile. And That's then everyone's right. like, oh, and then all the girls started liking him because he's so cute when he smiles. I liked it. Right. But then all of a sudden he would try to defend somebody and all they would see is him beating somebody up. And then they would see him as this like monster again. Yeah. And I didn't like it. And it happened multiple times. Is like he would be like trying to defend somebody else or overstep kind of in a violent way to like protect Mitty, even though she didn't need it. And he would end up injuring her. And that was kind of harsh. Yeah. Right. That wasn't funny. It was like too much. Like I was like, oh, that seems violent. I also didn't like when he threatened her at the very beginning. I can't remember, but he oh, came he to school. He grabbed her. And then, he's like, if you move, I'll rape you or something like that. Yeah. I was like, really? Like, I don't know. That was like that such was a at the very beginning. I did. Yeah. I had to be like, Elaine, just set it aside. It was 2012. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the translation's bad. I hope that's not what he really said. Because <laughs> it's who likes someone like that. I'd be like, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of gross. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that was kind of disappointing. But if you skip that <laughs> and like move forward with it, there's another girl character, Natsumi. Yeah, I think it's Natsumi. She needed help with her studies. Oh, I forgot one part. The thing that pisses her off the most is because that actually uh, Shizuki, she is not the one that is the top of the class and gets like the first in all of the tests and everything. It's actually Haru. Yes, that's the funny twist of all of it. He's like a genius. Yeah, yeah, totally. He's a total genius and they get into that too. And so they're rivals because she always wants to be the top of the class and everything. And there's always this one name that's at the top and she's like, who is this a- because I never see him anywhere. Yeah. And it's funny because he is very kickback about school. Like he does not care. He does not study. He did a lot of studying. You'll find out his kind of like how he got so smart kind of thing. But he just doesn't take it as seriously. And she just like works so hard to get to her grades and he doesn't. So there is that tension there. Because he wants her to stop studying so much and to hang out with him. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So they're both really smart. And then Natsumi is a girl who's also... And this is like the theme of it is kind of like loneliness and friendships, right? So in connection. So all the characters are loners in their own different ways. And Natsumi is lonely because she is very cute and uh, the other girls kind of shunned her because she's so cute. That's what she said. Yeah, they call her a, a slut. Yeah, because all the boys like her. So she hates boys because <laughs> they always like, she feels like they're ruining her reputation because they like her so much. But she's also not very good at school. So she needs a lot of help academically. Right. Which Haru's more than willing to help out or whatnot. And they tease her a lot because she has an online blog and she's always making typos. Like they, oh, that's like right. a reoccurring joke is like, they're like, there's so many typos on your blog. <laughs> and she is like at home pretending she has like a social life on her blog when she doesn't. Like she's really lonely <laughs> actually. Yeah. So they kind of create this small little 
a close knit family in a way. Yeah, there's like one other boy. I don't know why he's friends with them. Not to be mean, but he seems really well adjusted. He plays baseball. He has other friends. Exactly. He just thinks they're kind of interesting. Maybe it was like he was a friend of Haru or they were in the same class together. And uh, kind of, yeah, they were in the same exactly. class. So yeah, so he's kind of just like a nice character. Like he really is accepting of everybody of how they are. So that's kind of nice. And then like you said, the cousin. Oh yeah, the cousin. He's pretty cool too. But he's the older cousin, but I don't really understand like his whole entire persona and everything because it seems like he has a thing for that girl too in a way he is very friendly and mentoring her and how to be a friend because she doesn't know how to have friendships and so i think she develops feelings for him but i don't know if it's reciprocate like but in episode 10 he goes oh she walked by without talking to me and I was just like, yeah. Weird. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You'll have to watch it. Actually, honestly, when I hit 13, I didn't realize that was the last episode. I was like, what? And I thought oh, there was really? going to be a second season. I was very excited. And then you just told me there's only 13 episodes. And I'm like, that's it. Oh, no. Oh, okay. I don't know what happened yet. So not it's very incomplete. Episode. So, okay. It's complete. Well, good. Good. Yeah. I feel like I have to read them. Like, I, <laughs> really? The is the better you... way to go. Are you serious? We're going to have to do a review on it too. So you actually right? liked it. I just feel like there's a lot of stuff. You watch it. You're going to let me know. You're going to be like, what? It doesn't even feel like a cliffhanger. It literally feels like there should have been more episodes. <laughs> I'm like, oh. so that's really disappointing. So sorry to break that to everybody. I just want to mention also that Haru has an older brother He's kind of like a bad guy character. But he's not really a bad guy character. He's just kind of relaying the message from the father. A lot of people are scared of him for some reason. Okay, but he that's likes true. sweets. I don't know what that's about. Like they kind of make him kind of silly. Okay, that's one thing too. I'll tell you like sweets in Japan are a girl thing. That's what I thought. So I was like, were they kind of insinuating he's gay or something? I don't know. Or femme? I don't know. But the boys are kind of like, they make him to seem kind of untrustworthy and annoying. That's very true. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with that. He's only in a few episodes here and there, but yeah, I felt like that could have been built on. And then, so uh, Haru has another, you know, like we said, that other girl, I think her name's Oshima or something. She's very cute and she has an interest in him. But then one of Haru's kind of fake friends that's still around there's He's a love into, triangle. Kind of. Well, not really a right? love triangle. A love square. There's, like, there's love <laughs> triangles going on, just so you know. There's like multiple love triangles. And then we forgot to mention the one of the weirdest characters of all is the rooster. Well, I think that was kind of showing like Haru's compassion and how he actually does like care about things in a way or characters or people and Yeah. But do you think it's a trope type thing? Because this is like the third I think. Yeah, right. Anime, I know that there's a bird pet of some sort. I think this one is a little bit more aware of itself and a little tongue in cheek about it because yeah. they're so funny. Like they'll have a narration where it's, I think, the very beginning, the main character is narrating and she's like, and I'm going to tell you about him and her and yeah. him and him and her. <laughs> And him, and it's a rooster. It just keeps going. It's so stupid. Like you just start laughing. So I'm like, I'm hoping they know it's funny because 
there's some things about it that seem like more tongue in cheek. So it, was, it had some humor to it. Yeah, I like that part too about it. <laughs> so after a while, like I was watching the ninth episode or something like that, I realized, and I, I texted Santos about this, and I was just like, what the f***? And so I think I mentioned this already, but the way it goes usually is that they have like the setup and like how they're working something out. And then the last few minutes is like the romance always. And it just repeats itself where it's like, okay, they admit that they love each other. And then there's a conflict at the beginning and they go through it. And then the last three minutes, it's the romance again. I was like, I see what they're doing. Yeah, he picked up this formula, which I did not. I was like, is that why it feels like a cliffhanger? Like, I'm like, oh, what's next? I have to watch the next episode. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, they got me on this one. It got me good. It was good. Yeah. I don't know. This isn't my favorite anime, but I like it better than some other ones we've watched. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I like the fact that I wasn't just like, okay, let's hold hands at the end and say that we love each other. They get that like right out in front. They're also, you know what? A lot of animes that are cute that we like are pretty innocent and they kind of like, they're always like, if the guy looks at the girl, they're like pervert. And they're always like that. Where this one wasn't as like that. And he would say things like if she was like, oh, I am into you. Like one of the other characters, like I'm into you. He's like, he's like, oh, like you want to do it? Like they were, he was more clear about like the sexual interest that I feel like the other anime sometimes like hide like you said like it just goes to a handhold or something yeah this is more a little bit more realistic it's not yeah in some ways and how it's discussed right I think I mean and even in the kind of like learning about themselves and stuff and like learning about if their relationship can work out or not that's pretty real It is like the priorities in their life and how they love each other. Like, what's that mean? Like I said, all the characters are kind of lonely. And so you're seeing like them trying really hard to make connections. And it's not always easy, but it's worth it. You know, like once they get over those hurdles. So it's kind of cute. Definitely. I recommend it. I think it's good. You know, there's nothing really that bad I could say about it, except for I wish there was more character development. I guess it's since it's only 13 episodes, so... (laughs) so yeah and again it's on crunchyroll it is it's not dubbed so you have to read it so you have to be like me and force yourself and once you start then it's good you know it really makes it hard to multitask and i thought that's a good thing though like you couldn't write back a text message because then i'd miss what he said so i had to like put my phone away i was like oh i'm just watching tv right now well sometimes what's hard too is that the subtitle go by so quick or sometimes i'd have like a line on top of the screen and on the bottom of the screen and i was like trying to read both i have to hit pause I don't like that. I have a subscription still because I like to watch it on my Roku TV. So it's like I can have it all hooked up. But if I don't, then I have to watch the ads. Like, I'm like, I just have to be (laughs) watching more Crunchyroll to make it worth it. (laughs) Right. Right. So I should probably finish that. Yeah, I'm going to finish this one. Funny Senpai one. (laughs) That one's actually back on Funimation now. What? That one's on Funimation now. What? Yeah, I just noticed that. Even though Funimation is not that good either. Well, I recommend this. I think the list we got it off was pretty good. We'll it was pretty see, spot like, on. Maybe link that list or yeah, whatever. Yeah, we might have to link the list. <laughs> You're very right about that. I want to. You'll have to see what number they have it at. 
I have to relook at it. I think it's in our, hold on here. If I agree. <laughs> but I'm glad we got to meet these characters. I just feel like I didn't, I would like to get to know them a little bit better. So you might go as far as reading the manga and figuring out if there's more about it. Yeah. That's cool. I can Maybe. respect that. It is number 40. Oh, okay. I agree with that. Of 50. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. It's really good, but then it's not the best. Easily for me. Number one is going to always be Fruits Basket. Mm-hmm. But what they put at number one. No, they didn't. Okay, now you're going to talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make our own list. I promise. Soon. <laughs> We've watched so enough. Well. We could start putting together some lists. I know. I think you're right. We need some one media, one media list. So this will go on one of my lists maybe, but I don't even know if it's my top 10, but no. it's not bad. No. Yeah, exactly. Isn't it top five? Uh, I meant like this actual anime. Oh, oh. It might be in my top 10, but maybe more like top 20. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, we'll be back in just a second or a moment. Storygram Network. Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media, and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, cause you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. Storygram Network. That's right. We are back and we're going to talk about Betty Davis. They say I'm different, which was released in 1974. It was recorded 1973 at the record plant in Sausalito. It is 32 minutes. The original release was in 52 seconds. And then it was re-released in 2007. And they added some extra things in there, extra tracks, demos, and that was 51 minutes and 60 seconds. What? It was 52 minutes. <laughs> One thing about this album, there's not much information about it at all. Anyway, shape or form, this shows who did it. This is her second album. Her first album was Betty Davis, 1973. And then the one that came after it is Nasty Girl. She had some really good musicians on this album. The elites of the elites of like funk and legends. Mike Clark is a really well-known jazz drummer. Buddy Miles played drums for Jimi Hendrix, but he did guitar for her. Larry Johnson on bass. A little bit about Betty Davis. She was born in 1945. She was a model. I think when she turned 17 or 18, she moved to New York. She's originally from Durham, North Carolina, 
her grandma used to listen to the blues and they would sing along with it. So she started her career as a model and somewhere around there, she met some of these really famous rock stars like Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton and Larry Graham. And then all of a sudden she met Miles Davis and she was the one Supposedly, this is what I heard from this episode of Tales from the Tour Bus. It's done by the creator of Beavis and Butthead and Idiocracy. They get the bands on there. And if the person's still alive, they'll be on there too, of course, talking about their story. So I'm getting a lot of the information from there. But there is also a documentary that was just released well a few years back. It's called Betty Davis. Betty, they say I'm different. And that's on Amazon Prime right now. So I'm going to watch it right after this. She is actually the one that supposedly changed Mel Davis into the cool guy in the Paisley shirts and the big sunglasses. Supposedly, she is the one that named his really legendary jazz album Bitches Brew because it was going to be called Witches Brew. And she's like, uh uh-uh, uh, it's <laughs> bitches brew. I feel like I want to believe all of that because just listening to this album, it feels like she has a lot of that <laughs> attitude and wildness. Definitely. It, the cool thing about her, she was straight edge. She didn't do any drugs or anything like that, supposedly. And when Miles Davis, before she met Betty, he was wearing those really nice Italian suits and everything. And supposedly she took all his suits and threw them out of his house out the window. <laughs> like she, she was kind of a trip and the people that were in her band were her cousins. They were telling the story. And I guess like there's two different Bettys, according to her friends, there is this nasty girl, Betty, like in, they say I'm different and uh, nasty girl. And then there's the very quiet and reserved Betty who drinks herbal tea and eats rice crackers. <laughs> well, she can't be on all the time, right? Like on full force. Well, some people are on all the time. Not her. Yeah, like that's how she gets her creativity out. <laughs> so she was a pretty well-known model. And for her to just to go, okay, I'm going to start this band and do this thing. And this was also during the revolution for women's rights and African-American rights. And here comes Betty. And supposedly when she was playing live, people were in such shock. They'd almost pass out because she was the one that started wearing the short shorts, the knee high boots or the fishnets. And to start with this snarling voice. And everybody just wanted these women singers to be Aretha Franklin or like have these nice, really beautiful voice. And her voice is nasty. And that's what I love about it. And it's just like, it's behind like this funk. And it's like, when you think about at the time in the early 70s, I can't think of any other musician female musician that was like her like some of the male musicians they're getting kind of a little bit more sensual and dirty here and there you know there was the rick james and even the rock stars were just they would be singing about making love to a woman it was dirty but there was a lot of wordplay in it 
and she's just like, I'm going to make you my slave and everything. It's just like, <laughs> wow. It's intense and fun and just kind of like wild, but so well done, like so tight, like the music's so good. So it's not like crazy, like noise or anything like that, where you think of there's some musicians you like, I don't know that I like that. Maybe they're technically not good, but their energy is amazing. So you really love it. But she's both. It's like the music is technically great. And she's got this really intense, amazing energy. Definitely. Unfortunately for her too, I guess after the fourth album, I mean, she never really got her due, which is awful because she had like this awesome stage presence bands were afraid to like let them open because she would just steal the show and allegedly once again (laughs) probably i wouldn't want her opening like for me (laughs) because i think she would steal the show like no one was like her she needed to headline but i don't know how many people were headlining women Right. Black women at that time, it's who it didn't fit into a category necessarily. Exactly. And, and the problem was, too, is that her albums weren't getting a lot of play. She never was on Soul Train or anything like that. So it was hard for her. And she was in a bunch of different documentaries because she's like the best kept secret in funk. And people always thought that she should have been bigger. But unfortunately, I think it was. Either during the recording of the fourth album, everybody wanted her to just be like more loving and or whatever in her music and not this nasty person. And she was like, this is not it. And then she just disappeared to Japan for a while. And then when she came back, she wasn't the same. What did she do? Like, did she just leave music? Well, she was doing music over there. She did a couple shows with the new band. And by the time she came back, she wasn't the same. And then I guess like her parents picked her up. She had to go to like a bunch of psych wards and they gave her a bunch of psychotropic drugs and tropic drugs. I mean, and yeah, she never came back the same. And I think recently she released a song and that was about it. I do really want to watch the documentary now. The Tales from the Tour Bus one is really, really good. You can watch that on YouTube somehow. And now I'm going to watch the other one because she is a fascinating character. And the stories that they're, we're telling on Tales from the Tour Bus is really, really hilarious. Yeah, so the documentary came out in 2017. I do recommend this album. Let me pick out a song. I'm going to do the... He was a big freak song. (laughs) I love that song. Okay, here we go. He was a big freak. Ooh, ooh, I gave him cheap thrills. 
You know, I realized I forgot to even tell everybody that this is funk music to its core. <laughs> I think the definition, it's like if you didn't know what it was, here you go. <laughs> also, she got help from Robert Palmer to secure the record deal from Island Records. <laughs> and that's how she released uh, Nasty Girl. Um, do you have any favorites or? I liked the title track. She's a fine, fine, fine. Lord knows the show is fine. Gals, I can't help myself. She's gonna do it. She's gonna do it. I'm gonna do it till the cows come home. Yes, that is great. The album is really good. It's short if you just listen to like the original, and it's just all I don't know. Just it's so good. Like something about it makes you happy, right? (laughs) It makes me smile. Yeah, it's a definitely it's a good album. It's kind of funny to listen to. Like what I notice is like sometimes because I guess her voice is so graggly at times and everything. Sometimes she can't say the syllabids too well in it, and it ends up coming out as a lisp. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that I did. And then, um, also, sometimes the drummer is a little bit off, and it feels good to listen to like something that's not just all set to a click and everything. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's really, really good funk. And that's the other funny thing is sometimes when they couldn't figure out a chord progression or whatever, she would call Miles Davis and then she would like say, Hey, I need you to figure something out and then like give the phone to the guitarist or whatever. So they were close. They were married. Do you know how long? For like a year, maybe. Okay. So like a short marriage. And I think I read that he was much older than her, right? Yes, definitely. He was. So I can see why she brought in like this fun, young, youthful, kind of like experimental energy to his music and life and his wardrobe. (laughs) Right. I can see that. Oh, I also, I told Takeshi at one point, like listening to this made me go like, oh my God, who else don't I know about? You know? So I went down like kind of a fun (laughs) and soul rabbit hole, like on different playlists on Spotify of women singers, because I just felt like all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, why don't I know more? women singers in this genre because I was trying to rack my brain and there's so many songs that you'll know because they've been used in hip hop or other music. You're like, oh, really? that's where that was samples from. Or you might know the songs, but they've just been reused, but you don't know the original. At least I don't know the original artist. So that was, she definitely was kind of a gateway drug into this genre of music for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like it. I recommend it. I think she's like the original queen bee of them all. Like she probably inspired like little Kim and a lot of the newer artists. I can't remember their names right now for the life of me. (laughs) But I also think like she's just cool because she's like the most, I don't know, just like as an American musician, it's like epitome of like this individual 
and expression. And I mean, just the song, like that freak song where she talks about whipping him with a turquoise chain. It's just so funny. It's like so specific. (laughs) Definitely. It's like, whoa. Now you probably wouldn't think it was like wild to talk about something like that. But when did this album come out? (laughs) You know? Yeah. 30 some odd years ago or 40 years ago. Talking about stuff like that. Definitely. That's what I do like about it too. It's like, you're right about that. It's just like, this is really advanced and I'm kind of curious, like what if she still did do the same thing and everything? Because like supposedly in the tales from the tour bus, there was like two divisions in the African-American rights. There was this one that was like, we got to be taken seriously. And these black exploitation movies are not putting us in a good light she got clumped into that black exploitation side and everything. And it's just, I just, I wish she would have made it bigger. And I, I kind of wonder what would have happened to her if she would have stuck with it. I just think people aren't ready. They're barely ready now. <laughs> so it's like, because looking at Nasty Girl, right? That was released in 1975. So that was like right before funk really broke or it was starting to break and stuff. So she could have easily like opened up for P funk and that would probably introduce her into a whole entire new cast of people or like what if she met James Brown or whatever. I just wonder too, like if she could have collaborated with other artists as well, like to keep in the music world. Cause she obviously is ahead of her time. Yeah. We'll never know. <laughs> well, we will watch the documentary and find out a lot more because it definitely makes you want to know her more. Like she has such a personality. Everything comes out about her and her music. So you're like, oh, I want to know her. <laughs> like, I want to know who this person is. Very electric in every way. And to like inspired Miles Davis to take the turn that he did take. I mean, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. Yeah. And I think they said she was on one of his, hit the covers of one of his albums it might have been bitches brew maybe yeah but i guess her music it was also on orange's new black girl boss mixed ish and high fidelity cool and then yeah so i think everyone should listen to this album it's like a must definitely it's a must listen it's kind of fun like going down this rabbit hole of women bands that are all women are fronted by women. I recently found this other band called Fanny and they're like really, really good. And it's like, how come I've never heard of this band? They could like just rock really hard. So <laughs> we're putting them on the list. <laughs> yeah. Really good band. And once again, all right, so let's wrap this up. You could find me at all social medias under glitch unicorn. And you can find me on some social medias as Sister Santos. All right. See you next week.